Hey, I'm Jim Beaver, an actor from Deadwood and Supernatural, and you are listening to Spoiler Country. <laughs> It's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Henrik and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. My name's Kaylee Horsley, that's Johnny Horsley, and today on the show, we spoke with Jim Beaver from Supernatural. Yeah, he plays Bobby, and uh, well, he plays Bobby Singer, which is also one of the producers' names, but I always thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, and like if you ever see their after clip, they always go, God, who's so self-involved they would name a character after themselves? And, like, they <laughs> right. totally make a big joke. And there's a couple of them that are like that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But we talked to Jim Beaver, who was amazing. Uh, this is actually Kendrick and I doing the interview. And, and Jeff Haas as well. And Super jealous, actually, because I love Supernatural. Yeah, this is like the fifth person from Supernatural we've gotten on the show. I know. And um, I'm always interested and I want to do it. And then I'm doing something like homework or taking care of kids, working, something that you Lame. do. <laughs> no, I never work or take care of kids or do homework or make dinners. No, never. Well, not the homework part. Maybe <laughs> uh, <laughs> the kids' homework. <laughs> I don't do it for them. I help them with it. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I like him in a lot of other shows, too. He's done a lot more. He, I mean, he has a whole life of acting. Yeah. And, um, he shows up and he, he was on um, The Boys. He was on The Boys. He was on um, the one with uh, Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, I'm not, uh, really terrible at remembering names. <laughs> but The Ranch? Yes, that one. I didn't like, actually care for The Ranch, the show. Like... I like parts of it, but it's not my favorite. Right. So, but Jim Beaver was great on the show. But Jim Beaver was great. I like how he was like, "Don't fuck with my daughter." <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But it's a lot of fun. Jim was a, a a great guest. He talked to us forever. I feel like if he would if we wouldn't have stopped him, he would have talked to us like all night long. So it's us. <laughs> yeah, so it's us, right? right? I know. I sometimes see like when we're talking, people like try to inch away, and then they keep talking. Like, no, stay. Be friends. Be friends. <laughs> but. Let's go ahead and stop us rambling and listen to Jim Beaver in his own words. Kevin. Welcome back, guys. Today on the show, we're super excited because if you're a fan of Supernatural, uh, maybe Deadwood, and maybe you follow his exploits on talking about George Reeves in Hollywoodland, then you'll know exactly who we're talking to. Jim Beaver, thank you so much for coming on. It's my pleasure. Man, you have been a working actor for a very long time now. Yeah, what's that about? I don't know. Some Somehow you made it. What's the secret well, sauce? 
I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> well, part of it's just, uh, you know, living long enough that my competition died off. <laughs> I have to thank you because you were in the Marines, uh, in the late sixties, early seventies. My grandfather was in the Marines. My father was in the Navy. So of course he gave you rides to where you needed to go. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> my grandfather was in, in the twenties and I just got his photo album for my sister. I used to look at it uh -huh. when I was like, I'm 46. And when I was like mm -hmm. five or six years old, I used to crawl underneath my dad's bed, pull out this old leather bound with the big bulldog on the cover, a uh, Marine photo album and see yes. these pictures from the 1920s of my grandfather in China, Japan, oh. the Philippines. It's amazing. It really is. Wow. And oh. so anytime I meet somebody else that took the plunge to be a Marine, I'm always impressed because you guys are the first to be there, you know? Well, um, I was usually the tail end of the first to be there. Yeah, so, uh, still. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, being in the Corps was uh, a major turning point in my life and uh, uh, had a lot to do with who I am today. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm gra very grateful for my time in. That's good. I mean... I, when I got out of high school, I told my mom, I think I'm going to join the Marines like granddad. And, and, uh, she was like, no, you're not. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think so. She goes, first, you're too doughy. I don't think you'll make it. And second, <laughs> she's brutally honest. Second, she goes, you're, you're, you're both your sides of your family have all been in some kind of, of military since the civil war. So mm -hmm. either from my side or your dad's side, and they all fought. In the wars, your grandfather lost his arm, and in, in between World War One and World War Two, him and his buddies got really drunk, stole the MP's jeep, and they rolled it and hit a tree, and he lost his arm. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. it was like 1926, 1927, somewhere around there, and uh. they, but they gave him an honorable discharge or medical discharge, not an honorable, but a medical discharge, which is totally different because mm -hmm. nowadays they would have been court-martialed and everything. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, she was like, "You too much of your family has already given enough, so." You're uh, going to college. <laughs> it's, it's funny. My mom said, yeah, go ahead. Join. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So your time, once you got out of the military, you decided to be an actor. What was, how did you come to this conclusion? And what was your parents' reaction when you said, I'm going to be a working actor. I'm going to make this work. Well, um, I was, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't planned on it i don't recall ever really thinking about it as a career um until after after i got out of the core yeah um but um i went to college after uh after i got out and um, um kind of by uh um happenstance or luck or whatever i uh I got invited to uh, join the um, the school's drama department. Yeah, and uh, and I did a play, and I thought this is the most fun I've ever had. And uh, I thought that's uh, this is the game for me. Um, it didn't it didn't really occur to me that. Um, you know, I didn't think it was going to be all that difficult. Right. Um, and, um, um, and it wasn't, uh, all that 
difficult. It only took me about 15 years to make a dollar. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, my, you know, my parents were very, they were very supportive of what I was doing in the sense that, um, they, they, they liked, they liked coming to see me in plays. And, uh, um, I don't, I don't recall a lot of active discouragement, uh, not necessarily a lot of active encouragement. Um, I think probably they, they were just happy that I was thinking about doing something passionate about um, something. And, uh, um, I don't know that uh, I don't know that I had much sense of direction. Otherwise, if I hadn't found this, uh, there wasn't anything in particular I wanted to do. I, I was very interested in film history. Yeah, and uh, it had been a, sort of a hobby since I was in high school. And my kind of vague thoughts were that I would pursue that, but. Uh, I also knew that there wasn't any money in that and uh, um, that I wasn't, it was going to be a very hard thing to uh, make a living at. Um, so I chose, chose something even harder. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it, you know, it was, uh, but from, from the very first there in college, I thought this is what I want to do. And I was, by that point, I was 21 years old, and uh, it was really the first time I ever knew this is exactly what I want to do. Oh, that's cool. And uh, so, um, I, you know, I think I, there were lots of times uh, uh, that my uh, my parents, I'm sure, thought, I, I wish he'd get a real job. Uh <laughs> Mainly because I wasn't even getting the, the, the fantasy jobs I was dreaming of. Right. And, uh, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, I, it hasn't been, it hasn't been that many years since my mom said something to me along the lines of, you know, they're hiring a dairy queen. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I was, oh, I had man. a really good career going, yeah. uh, uh, long before she stopped saying things like that to me. So, um, and, uh, you know, there are times I've thought, you know, maybe I ought to check Dairy Queen out, but, <laughs> um, Hey, free Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the fact is I decided to do it. I decided to pursue this career and I decided that nothing was going to dissuade me from it. Nothing yeah. was going to, uh, uh, pull me away from it. And I found myself on occasion turning down, um, uh, opportunities that I thought would conflict with, uh, an acting career. Is that, is that and almost like a typical bullheaded Marine? This is going to, I'm doing this. I don't know. I and this is what I'm going to do. I don't know. I think it had more to do more to do with being a typical bullheaded six-year-old. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, no, I just thought, I just thought if I'm going to do this, yeah. I've got to do it. I can't, uh, um, 
I can't get, you know, there was, there were a couple of fellows in college with me who were really, really good actors. And, um, uh, and I was kind of jealous of them because they got the lead roles all the time and I didn't. Right. And, uh, uh, and we all left college absolutely determined that, that we were going to have these big careers, but within, uh, a very short amount of time, both of them decided that, uh, they needed, uh, they needed the security of regular jobs yeah. more than I did. And, uh, now I'm sure I leaned on an awful lot of people over the years. Uh, but I never felt like I, I can't, I can't do this because I need to make a steady living. Um, uh, spent a lot of time sleeping on friend sofas and, uh, um, and, and doing crummy little jobs that I could leave at a moment's notice. Right. And, uh, all because I just, I just didn't want to let anything, uh, um, chance, you know, I take, uh, take away from the direction I was going. Um, so I guess persistence I and the fact that you, you can't leave anything to chance. And if you're going to go for it, you have to go for it wholeheartedly. Yeah. 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 yeah, you got it. I mean, you know, in for a dime, in for a dollar. Yeah, yeah. When did you start really um, looking at George Reeves's work and being influenced that you wanted to really dive into his career and what happened to him uh, through playing Superman? Well, I, uh, uh, you know, I grew up watching his um, Adventures of Superman show in the fifties and uh and 60s and yeah. um i mean it was um uh, you know for a kid my age of my generation it was uh um you know it was a huge huge uh cultural icon yeah and um and i was always like a lot of kids from that time uh very curious as to uh, you know, what the deal was with this guy who got, he got to play Superman on TV. What, you know, what's, what greater job could there be? Right. And, uh, and then he ends up, uh, dead at a young age, uh, uh, ostensibly by his own hand. And I, it was just, a it was just kind of a mystery that uh, I wanted to know more about. But that was that was pretty much as a kid. As yeah. I as I mentioned earlier, I was really big into film history, right? And uh, and I had all of these um, uh, actors that I liked that I was interested in uh, someday writing about. Just just because I I, I liked biography, and I thought uh, it would be fun and interesting to write about the lives of these actors that I saw on uh, television or at the movies. And he was one of them. Yeah. He was one of many. And, um, uh, and then in later years, after I got out of college and actually, uh, was, was, uh, pursuing, uh, writing film history. I had written a book on the actor, John Garfield while I was, still in college. Oh, cool. And, uh, um, and I was uh, writing for a magazine in New York that specialized in that kind of, uh, material. And, uh, one day the editor said, you want to, you want, 
we've had a bunch of requests for an article on George Reeves. You want to tackle it? And I said, yeah. And I started digging. And the more I dug, the more I thought, I think there's a book here. And uh, so I spent the rest of my life researching that book. <laughs> and uh, But the and Hollywood probably, Land movie came along and, and you ended up helping them, right? Yeah. Um, they... Um, uh, they had, um, uh, they had, they had bought a script on, uh, Reeves life, uh, or not so much on his life, but on his death. And, uh, uh, they were producing that there was a book that, um, claimed, um, um, erroneously, I believe to have solved the mystery of what happened to him. Uh, and they, uh, uh, they purchased the rights to that, I believe, to um, uh, basically to so they could do whatever they felt like doing and not have to worry about uh, the people who wrote that book suing them. Um, and then because they did not follow the uh, rather fantastic scenario of that book, um, but they the filmmakers really wanted as uh, to the best of my belief, uh, to uh, present the possible scenarios of Reeves' death uh, in an authentic way. Uh, they didn't always succeed, but they uh, I think they really wanted, uh, without proving something that couldn't be proven, they wanted to be authentic in telling the story. They want to be as so, earnest as possible for yeah. themselves. And yeah. so they... Uh, uh, they learned about my work and, um, uh, and asked me to come aboard as, uh, basically a technical consultant on, uh, on his life. And, uh, I had uh, a lot of influence in, uh, casting That's cool. and, uh, uh, but mainly my job was to, um, steer them away from, things I knew to be inaccurate. Uh, I wasn't always successful. They already had a script. They had used up uh, their writing budget and were not in a position to do massive rewrites. Um, that's all Writers Guild rules stuff. Um, uh, just because somebody shows up with a, with a, and says, oh, uh, this scene didn't happen that way, it happened this way, if they have to pay somebody to rewrite that. Yeah. And if they didn't have the money, they couldn't. So, uh, a few things, uh, stayed in that I was not pleased with, but for the most part, uh, the, I thought they did a good job of, uh, uh, of laying out the, the various possibilities for yeah. the scenario of what happened to Reeves. What? And, um, uh, I, I was, I, Overall, I was pleased with it. There were a few things that really stuck in my craw, but I do know that it wasn't that they were, it wasn't that they were haphazard or right. um, uninterested in the truth. Right. So you you said you had some influence on the cast. What drew you to have Ben Affleck as George Reeves? Or well, I didn't have I didn't have that kind of yeah. influence. I mean, uh, I um, I suggested just from my own experience right. that there were certain um, 
I won't I won't go into names, but right. there was there was one actor they were considering for a different role, and I didn't have anything to do with the Reeves story, but right. I just I just let them know from my own experience that it might not be as pleasant a working situation ah. uh, uh, if they chose him, and they ended up cho- choosing someone else who was absolutely perfect for nice. for the card. But they also uh, a lot of the supporting characters who were based on real life people uh they asked me a lot they they asked me for photos so that they could try to find people who looked uh somewhat like the real person they asked me uh questions about various non-famous people involved in reef stories so that they could cast well oh that's crazy uh, uh i didn't have anything to do with ben affleck yeah uh, the part well, it's been affleck right he, he walks on says i want to do this and then it's like okay yeah, <laughs> yeah essentially yeah essentially i know that there were i know there were a lot of uh reeves fans out there who had a uh um who had a a, a favorite uh a lot of them wanted kyle mclaughlin to do it oh but that would the, be interesting and apparently he uh he wanted to do it and put together a little uh uh, screen test of his own and he looked pretty good but the problem is when you're doing uh, a movie in Hollywood uh, and it's uh, a, a relatively independent uh, feature yeah with not a huge budget right uh, you're you're gonna go with the biggest name you can get right and, makes sense. Uh, and uh, the biggest draw uh, there wasn't uh, you know essentially, I think we're lucky we didn't end up with the rock or, or, <laughs> right. or uh, uh, could you imagine? You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, this could have been Steven Seagal. Right. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, they got somebody who really poured his effort into, uh, doing the part well. That's and awesome. I thought he did, uh, as well as, as just about anybody, uh, might have. And at the same time, put, butts in seats right was it a good and, experience would you do it again oh god yeah i i i i'd want to start earlier so we avoided that problem with uh not being able to afford a rewrite on the script right um uh, i i'd want to come in at the beginning of the process but they were they were so welcoming of any advice i could give them uh and uh uh, you know, it's, it's the movies. It's, uh, I've said to a few fans who were disgruntled because the movie didn't capture every good thing about George Reeves. I said, you know, the only way to do an authentic movie of George Reeves life is to do one. It's 45, uh, years and six months long. Right. Uh, uh, you can't include everything. And the business is a business. It's not, uh, it's not a, uh, an organization of people trying to do, uh, 100% perfectly authentic stuff. It's, <laughs> right. It's people trying to entertain. They're putting $20 and, in. They're trying to get a hundred out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and to do so, I'm not saying that it's, that it's all, uh, uh, money, but it's mostly money. Yeah. That's a big component uh, of it. Yeah, they want to entertain an audience and make a profit doing so. I have the same type oh. of argument with people, not argument, but I, I have the same type of chat with people that talk about books because 
Um, I know people get very passionate about the books they read and then they get mm. made into a movie and they're just so disgruntled. And it's like, right. it's a different medium, man. You can't yeah. look at it that way because it's impossible to put anything from a book. If it's over 90 pages, you, you yeah. it's going to be over 90 minutes. And so you, you, yeah. you know, and if you're talking about a book that's 400 pages, they're not going to do a four hour movie yeah. almost on anything. And you can't, you just can't expect done- it. If they had done Gone with the Wind exactly the way it was written, they'd still be shooting it. Right. <laughs> Beyond third generation actors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, um, you played Whitney Ellsworth, and it's one of it's one of the greatest characters, I think, in modern TV history because oh. he has one of the biggest growths out yeah. of a character that you you don't see a character come like that very long very often that has that amount of growth and you were yeah. given i don't know what kind of carte blanche or range you were given but i know one is you named you gave him his first name of whitney um yeah. and and basically with the work that you did researching george reeves which i thought was really cool and but you actually won a couple of emmys for this role what was playing? No, 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 no. Let's back up there. No? I, I have, I have never won an Emmy. Oh, well you deserve uh, an Emmy. So, well, thank you. I, uh, I, I've never, uh, I've never even been nominated. Well, I um, need to, I need to tell this website that I did my research on. They need to, <laughs> they need to, to revive their stuff. Yeah. Sorry about no, that. I, I came close a few years ago on justified, but, uh, that's another great uh, show you're on, uh, but I, no, I have, uh, I have yet to win an Emmy. But, uh, or be nominated. But your role but, a, a, as Whitney was amazing, and your work as Whitney was amazing. What was it well, like it was, to do that role? It was the greatest single experience of my career. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, yeah. You as just you gave say, me chills. Oh, Not even kidding. Oh. You just gave me chills because I wanted to, that's like one of my favorite shows of all time. And I was so interested when, when Jeff said, oh, Jim Beaver's coming on. And that's. That's what I think of when I think of Jim Beaver. I I think of Whitney Ellsworth. So I was like, uh, "Oh my okay. god!" <laughs> well, it's um, uh, I've 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 often thought that uh, um, if um, if if they if they put on my tombstone, he was in Deadwood. That would be enough. Oh. Um, uh, it was it was absolutely the single greatest uh, professional experience I've ever had. And, uh, yeah, um, Ellsworth was originally, it was just his name Ellsworth. He yeah. didn't have a first name and, and, uh, eventually they were going to give him a first name. And I asked if it could be Whitney because Whitney Ellsworth was the producer of George Reeves Superman series. And it was just a little homage yeah. for me and they, they didn't care. Um, they said, sure, fine, Whitney. Um, it was, um. It was just a great part, and and I've I've often said myself that it's like the greatest character arc I can ever remember because uh, no one who saw the first few episodes would ever expect that he was going to end up where he ended up uh, in uh, in the course of that series. Yeah, and um, it was just uh, a weird, not a weird. It was just so refreshing to see somebody start in, in these down low depths and then pull themselves up and then become a respected man of the community, you know, within an arc and it was, or within yeah. this long arc. And it was just like, that is what 
I don't know. It it, it kind of when you when you think of him and you watch that show, to me it's like that that is something you can you can look at and go, okay, that's that's great writing. And then yeah. to just push it through, you got you, I mean, you just put it over the top. Well, thank you. I I um uh I I I've said many times in my life that nobody ever wins awards for acting in a badly written part. Right. Um, it's, uh, it's just the writing on that show was so rich and so intricate and so, uh, wisely executed in, in the writing. Um, it was, uh, it's, it's the favorite material I've had to work with this side of this side of Shakespeare and um that's uh that's amazing uh i i I simply loved every day on that show and i despaired from the day it ended it was uh um uh, i could have gladly spent the rest of my life playing that part not enough westerns on tv there just isn't no no and when they do them they're rarely anywhere in the league of deadwood yeah Uh, so, uh, I mean, I feel like I, I know who Ian McShane is be- because of Deadwood. Mm-hmm. I know who Timothy Oliphant is because of Deadwood, uh, Molly Parker, Brad Dorff. These are all people that, I mean, Brad Dorff, I think if I'm not mistaken, was on some other movies that I've watched. So I knew who he was, but yeah, but the, but a lot of people, including you, I didn't know who, you, who they were until I started Nobody watching knew. that show. Nobody yeah. knew who I was before that show. <laughs> uh, I had a, I had a pretty long career without anybody having a clue who I was, uh, uh, unless they were on the show with me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that, well, that would kind of put me on the map that way. And it did so for a lot of the actors on it. There were certainly actors who had strong careers going, but, uh, even some of them got a real boost. Yeah. I mean, Ian McShane had worked since the sixties, uh, and, and, uh, was, was popular in a lot of ways, but that voice, uh, uh, the, uh, um, but Deadwood suddenly showed the world, the, the range and, and capability he had. And, um, uh, uh he, he was already on the map, but Deadwood put a big fat star on him. <laughs> I love uh, it. What, and, uh, what did it did that for a lot of people on the show? What did Deadwood do better than everybody else in your mind as a, well, as a production? It, uh, it honored the intelligence of the audience. Uh, uh, they didn't, there was never a time in my experience of this show where they talked down to the audience. Yeah. And I've been on shows both as actor and writer where I've heard arguments about this is too complex. They're not going to understand what's happening. Uh, <laughs> let's, 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 uh, thin it out here. So it's easier for the audience to get, yeah. uh, Deadwood never did that. Um, it, it is complex and, uh, uh, it's a show that, uh, um, from the very beginning, even though I was on it, I watched with the captions on so that I didn't miss a syllable of what was being said. That's awesome. Uh, because it's, uh, because it's, um, um, it's intricate. Yeah. Um, uh, the language and the plotting, but it's, uh, I, I think that was the best thing about it. It was written by really smart people. 
yeah. primarily David Milch, and uh, and and offered out to a world of smart people, um, and uh, uh, there are probably people out there who said, "Well, I just didn't get it," but I think for the most part, audiences are uh, well capable of. Uh, uh, grasping a show like Deadwood. Yeah. Um, not that there are shows like Deadwood. Um, uh, I, you know, there were, I, I suppose if, if you work at it, you can find faults with it, but I have trouble. Yeah. It would have been my, it would have been my favorite show if I'd never been on it. Um, but, um, boy, to get to be on it, that was, uh, that was an amazing, That's awesome. amazing blessing in my life. I love how much you, how, how much you loved your time on there. It's always, mm. I always feel bad when I, when I talk with people that are in a project, being an actor or a director or a comic book artist, and they mm-hmm. just don't like their time on the project that they're on. Cause that's just yeah. so, I mean, I deal with that day to day with my, with my um, day job, right? Yeah. It's, I, I, I love the people I work with, but the work itself can be uh, tedious yeah. and, and it just yeah. gets to you when something becomes tedious. It's like, Oh, I need to move on. Well, one of my first jobs after Deadwood was over was a, a guest shot on a huge, huge hit show Yeah, that had been on forever. And one of the very first things I noticed was that uh, despite the fact that it was a huge hit and everybody was making fortunes, right? that nobody I came in contact with in the cast seemed happy. Ugh. Uh, they all seemed like it's just another day in the salt mine. Yeah. And, uh, now even a worse day acting is better than working in a real salt mine. I right. Imagine. Right. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's great days at work. And then there's, well, we got to put this out there because they're paying us to. Right. Um, it's, um, uh, and I've had very, very, very few of that kind of job. Right. Almost everything I've ever done has uh, has been great fun for me, and I've been luckier than most actors in that what I've done has been great fun for the audience and for all of the people working on it. Yeah, um, it's uh, I've I've been in an inordinate amount of projects that uh, are highly respected. Uh, it's. Uh, you know, I've done my share of, 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 you know, crappy little movies and TV shows. Sure. But I've done an awful lot of stuff, and it didn't have anything to do with me per se. It was these were great shows, whether I was on them or not. <laughs> Become a, uh, but, iconic, but they were they were things that, uh, uh, I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I it wasn't me in my two little scenes uh, over five years that lifted breaking bad into iconic status. It was, right. it was a great show and the writing was I got tremendous. To be, I got to be on it, which was great for me. And it's, and it's the kind of show that, uh, for quite some time, I've been really fortunate to get to be connected with, even if just in a transitory fashion. That's awesome. Well, speaking of some iconic shows that you're on, one is supernatural. Um, and I've heard of that. Oh, yeah. Arguably one of the biggest shows in the last 20 years, considering that it's been on like what, 15 years. It's kind of crazy how yeah. long that's been on. And you've been on um, most of it. I think that's I've a, been a, in, a good way to put it. 
I've been in every season. That's it's uh, it's incredible. And yeah, it, it is. Jeff is on. He's a supernatural super fan, and he's got. I know he's got quite a few questions for you. So I hope you have time to hang out a little bit to go sure. over some of the stuff that he has. And Jeff, I'm going to let you take it over. And uh, yeah, let's do this. Okay. Hello, Mr. Beavers. I'm honored to speak with you. Well, thank you, thank you, Jeff. I, I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. I'm a very big fan. <laughs> Um, so I guess the, the first question, um, that I'm going to be asking you, um, so you first appeared in the episode devil's trap in the first season. Was Mm -hmm. there, how did you discover the character of Bobby, uh, Bobby singer? Um, what did you think about to kind of develop his character? Cause he felt fully fleshed out the moment he was on screen. Well, it was pretty fleshed out in the script. Um, uh, in the sense that. I don't know that I brought anything special to it other than the way I look and sound. Um, it was, it was very much in my wheelhouse, as they say, I, I just, you know, I, I've gotten, I, I've sort of fallen into this niche, not that I haven't done other kinds of characters, but, um, I get thought of rather often for kind of gruff, but lovable characters. And, um, and he was, he just, he was kind of the epitome of that. Um, I, uh, uh, I had worked with, uh, Robert Singer, who was one of the, uh, executive producers on the show, um, oh, a dozen years before, um, on a, a show called reasonable doubts. And, um, I had a great time on that show and, uh, uh, it, somehow or other a decade or so later he thought of me for this and uh and it fit it just you know i i started reading the script and i thought oh yeah i know i know this guy i know how to play this guy uh because it was there on the page um it was uh um basically i just had to say the words and not fall down and uh <laughs> it was it was, it was going to be pretty good and uh um it wasn't something I expected to keep playing. Uh, I came in for one episode and as far as I knew, that was it. But, um, uh, but then, um, they call me back for another and I thought, Oh, maybe I, maybe I'll get a couple out of this. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, uh, you know, 15 years later, here we are. Um, <laughs> I'm, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the show's finished now, but I've been with it right through the end. And, uh, um, and it's been, it's been a great part. It's been, it's been a, a wonderful show to be associated with the, uh, the cast and crew, uh, have bonded as well or better than any, uh, cast and crew I've ever been associated with. Of course, we've had longer to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, now, the, uh, um, yeah. Well, one interesting thing about Supernatural, especially my memory of the show, because I used to I, I watched the show since the beginning with my father. Um, mm-hmm. for, literally for the last fifteen years, me and my father would get together at his house every day, um, every week and watch Supernatural. And I remember the first three or four seasons feeling like every season could be the last, and then yeah. suddenly it felt like the show just would go on forever. When you guys were filming that first season, did it feel like something that was going to have lasting power, or did it feel like, you know, this, you know? as on the edge as it felt maybe to some of the fans that first year. I, you know, I didn't have a strong sense of it. 
my first episode was the last episode of the first season. And uh, so I did the show. And as far as I knew, I was done with it. And I, I don't spend a lot of time looking back on, on stuff other than, you know, I'll watch, I'll watch it when it comes on, but that's about it. I, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking, I wonder what the future of this show is. Uh, Cause it didn't occur to me right off that I was going to be back. Um, I know that Eric Kripke, who uh, created the show had a five-year plan for it. And uh, uh, he had an arc in his mind as to where the show would go uh, for five years. And if he was fortunate, it would be on long enough to complete that arc. Um, I think that uh, my sense is that right off the bat, it was a, a fairly successful show. Uh, but I, you know, I, I don't even remember back that far. I wasn't paying close attention to how successful it was at the beginning, but it was very clear by the end of the second season to me that this thing, yeah, this could be around for a while. And if I'm lucky, maybe I can go with it. Um, the, the fact that we hit the five year mark, um, without, uh, any problems and, and, and with, uh, our audience still hungering for more was kind of a surprise, I think, um, uh, to the creators. Um, and, uh, but it was, it was clear that there wasn't any reason to let go of the show. Uh, we hadn't lost our audience. They were still, uh, uh increasingly rabid about it. And, um, and from there on, it just became a matter of, uh, uh, you know, how long did the people uh, at the top of the food chain in the cast and uh, in production want to keep doing it? And um, I think now we've we've had our answer that 15 was about, about good enough, but 15 is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, it, it's a record for written scripts, for I think, wasn't it? No, uh, Law and Order and Gunsmoke ran longer, uh, but uh, uh, but it's I I think it's the only science fiction fantasy type show that has run this long, and uh, uh, and frankly I think uh, uh, under slightly different circumstances it it could have it could have hit twenty years easily. Um, it, the main thing was you have. Uh, uh, yeah, had a couple of actors starring in it who had done other things before this, but they had spent almost their entire adult lives playing these parts. And I think they wanted to see what else uh, they could do, what what acting muscles they could stretch, and what uh, um, uh, I I think if they had wanted to go on uh, another five years or so, they they would have been able to, but, uh, I think sometimes, uh, even the most fun stuff, uh, you, you run out of new ways to do it. And, uh, I, I'm not saying that, that they ran out of new ways to play those characters, but I think you start thinking, well, you know, maybe there's another character I could play. Um, uh, maybe I could find something just as rich doing something new and exciting. So I don't know. I, I've never quite gotten into their heads about 
uh, why now and not five years ago or five years from now. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think we could have gone on much, much longer if, uh, uh, but I think they felt like let's, we're still, we're still doing a really good show. Let's quit before people start saying, Oh God, is that thing still on? <laughs> no, and that happens when you, sometimes. <laughs> when, when when did you know that your character Bobby Singer caught on with not only the fans but became something that was going to be a long term role for you? Well, it was probably it was probably late in the second season or maybe the beginning of the third. Um, I um, um, I do remember we were shooting an episode i think it was early in season three um an episode called the magnificent seven and uh uh i remember talking to uh the late kim manners our beloved director uh and he was telling me about things they were talking about for my character later on in the season and i went oh they've got plans for me Maybe, maybe this isn't just, you know, three or four episodes and out, um, uh, you know, the business is so unpredictable, um, that I don't count on anything lasting. Uh, uh, it's, uh, um, it's, it's just, you know, my, uh, my very first, uh, job as a series regular on a show was a sitcom in the early nineties called thunder alley. And it was a very popular show. We were the number 13 show in the country back when there were only three networks. And, uh, and it was, it was very popular. And I thought, uh, we're going to be around for 15 years. And, but no, we weren't, we were gone in a year and a half because of something that didn't have anything to do with the show. The network just decided they were going to, change their image from family oriented stuff to more edgy stuff. And they, uh, they got rid of all their family oriented stuff or most of it. And that included us who were, uh, I mean, a, a show nowadays with the, the wide spread of available content would, would they, they sell their, own mothers to get the kind of ratings we had on thunder alley that was a good show uh, but it was it was just kind of dispensed with because they thought they could do better uh with a different kind of material well that was really where it hit me that uh you can be starring in a hit show and uh and it can be over tomorrow um yeah because things, uh, you know, things change and the people who pull the strings get different ideas. And, uh, um, you know, there are an awful lot of cases out there of people who had wonderful characters on uh, hugely successful shows. And the show continues to be successful, but they do it without that particular actor. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people have... Oh yeah, so and so. He was he was one of the stars the first season. Um, anything can happen. Yeah, and uh, there's no guarantee. So when when uh, a show like Supernatural comes along and it looks like it's got long legs, and it looks like the 
the the both the production people and the audience likes a character. I'm happy, but I don't ever feel like this means they can't get rid of me. Yeah, especially on Supernatural when they kill off anybody can be killed off in any given moment. Yeah, of course they. You know, I'm living proof that you can get killed off numerous times <laughs> and come back <laughs> uh, and keep coming back. Uh, I have a question so, for you about Supernatural. Mm-hmm. How much influence do you think the Hardy Boys have on Supernatural? Because it just kind of clicked with me that they are very similar in a lot of ways to the Hardy Boys. Wow, that's uh, that's the first time that's ever been suggested to me, and that's a really cool uh, parallel. Yeah, um, I was just thinking it myself. I was like, that God, they are they, yeah. they're like you know because the Hardy Boys always suggested supernatural stuff, but it always ended up yeah. not. It's kind of very Scooby Dooish, right? Right. But this is like I wonder Hardy Boys as supernatural. <laughs> I think like that stuff actually yeah. happens. <laughs> well, you know, it's um, uh, I know that that's uh, uh, Eric. Eric Kripke, uh, you know, kind of pitched the show as, as, uh, route 66 with ghosts. I like but, it. Uh, a lot of the audience for supernatural doesn't even remember route 66, uh, which was about a couple of friends traveling the country, uh, uh, having different adventures. And, uh, uh, yeah, in some ways, I guess the Hardy boys are an even more apt analogy. Uh, although whether Eric Kripke ever thought of, uh, thought about the Hardy Boys in this connection, I don't know. I'll ask him next time I see him. Now, as as a fan of Supernatural and someone who uh, plays Bobby Singer with one of the most famous lines of Supernatural, the word "idiot," how often do you get people asking you to say it for them, and does it ever get tiring? Um, often and yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I never no, asked you to if, do it here, but. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't really get tiresome at, you have to understand at first, when I saw it in the script, I thought, really, you want me to say this <laughs> really? Uh, cause to me, it, I don't know. To me, it sounded like a word made up, not made up, made up, but a word inserted in order to give Bobby something colorful to say, it seemed kind of manufactured. And, and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't something I thought was cool to say. Um, but they said, uh, essentially, uh, you want your paycheck, right? And I said, <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, I'll say idiot. Uh, I had the same identical experience when they said, okay, uh, um, you're going to start saying balls. I thought, really? <laughs> really because <laughs> it's i mean it's not the way i talk it's not something i ever thought was you know cool uh but then i said it and they had me say it a time or two again all of a sudden the fans bought into these catch words and uh uh and now you know um my license plate says idiot uh, <laughs> and cool. uh, it's uh, it's just coincidence. I'm just talking to the guy behind me. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny about Idget is I'm 46. Eric Kripke's 46. That is mm-hmm. a word that I said when I was a little kid and yeah. as a teenager. And I'm wondering if that has a correlation with um, how it came about because we, we said it. All, I don't I know. Said it all the time. To me, it was always kind of a a very rural 
kind of country word, uh, which makes sense because, uh, you know, in Ireland, uh, where a lot of the American rural population uh, stems from way back, um, uh, idiot is pronounced basically Egypt. And uh, yep, yep. Uh, so I suspect it, it transferred that way. But I don't know. You know, I, I, I had heard the word before supernatural, but I didn't, hadn't heard it often. And uh, it just sort of struck me as a kind of word somebody in a little Abner would say. Um, and uh, it didn't seem all that interesting. But I like it now because it's uh, um, it's it's probably the most famous thing I've ever said. Uh <laughs> And now, uh, and people dig it. So who am I to argue? <laughs> now, the interesting about Supernatural, because it was on for 15 years, is that it went through a series of writers and many ways recycled the entire writing staff several times. And because mm-hmm. you played your character way longer than your writing staff has been on the show, did at some point did you have a say on what happened with your character and how he was developed? Uh, no. Um, I mean, I suppose... Once or twice, I might have said, you know, uh, no, I don't even think I ever did that. I was going to say maybe I suggested something. Not really. Uh, I've suggested a line once or twice, but uh, no, nobody, uh, nobody ever asked me where they ought to go with the character. Uh, um, And, uh, uh, and there were. Uh, certainly times, especially around season seven, where uh, they went someplace with a character that I would much rather they not have gone. Um, but my job is an actor's job is to interpret the material in performance. It's not to write the material. And uh, uh, I, uh, I may toss something into a conversation uh casually about well what if he said this uh but um it's not it's not generally my job to create story for the character i'm uh i'm the uh i like to think of myself as as uh, um figuratively the writer's pen uh i uh, uh he writes it and it goes through me out to the audience um uh, now there have been times when, um, when I've thought of ideas for stories and I pass them along, they've never taken me up on any of them. Uh, and, uh, and that's fine because it's, um, uh, you know, considering how much work I've done over the years and how much time I've spent on various television shows, I don't have a lot of uh, awareness of what goes on day to day in the writer's room. Uh, um, except when I was actually writing TV series back in the eighties, I, I not spent any time in a, in the writer's room. I don't really know how they work it out on a, uh, day by day basis on a show, but I figure probably they've got some relatively long-term plans and, if I come in and say, Hey, I've got an idea for a story. They may be so far beyond where I'm starting with that. 
there's not any way to make what I've come up with fit in. I don't, I don't have a lot of interest in doing that anyway. I'm, I'm very content to, uh, to get my script, learn my lines and uh, say, I'm an actor to the best of my ability and try and make sure that what the writers have come up with translates well to the screen. Um, you know, if they, uh, you know, they, 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 they took the character in a turn here and there where I, I was not happy with it. Uh, but, um, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 not something you can uh, really argue with. Um, it's it's not my show. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, the guys who put fenders on Chevys may have an opinion about those fenders, but it's not their it's not their show. Uh, no, understood. It, is there? Would you would you mind sharing a change that you um, didn't? like or did, do you feel uncomfortable going that direction no i mean I, i'm i'm I've, I've spoken about this before i wasn't happy that they uh killed bobby off in season seven uh i was happy that you know he didn't stay dead quite the way he would have on gray's anatomy uh uh you know if you're going to get killed on this show do it on supernatural uh <laughs> because you just get to keep working uh, but it was, it was a turn that, um, meant a couple of things. One was, and most importantly to me was the fact that I didn't get to keep doing it as often. Um, I didn't, uh, when, when they said what they were going to do, I thought, well, it's supernatural. I'll just be dead for a while and then I'll come back and things will continue on. And they didn't exactly. Uh, I didn't work as often over the succeeding seasons and I always missed working there. On the other hand, not being tied to being there day in and day out gave me the freedom and opportunity to do some other projects, which have been really good for me and things that I really enjoyed doing that I wouldn't have been able to, if I was doing, uh, you know, seven or eight out of 10 episodes of supernatural. Um, but yeah, uh, in in some ways, I would prefer that they had just kept the character on pretty much the way he was before they killed him off. Um, it was it was it was fun to be there and play a ghost or play flashbacks or play dream sequences or play Bobby in heaven and all the various uh, permutations of how they kept the character around. But it was never quite the same for me and i i'd have uh, i'd have liked to have uh, uh stuck around kind of the way i had been there the first seven years but then it would have cost me a lot of other opportunities so uh like i said i try not to look back too much um uh every time you every time a door slams on you uh another one opens and um uh they didn't slam the door too hard on me on supernatural. They just kind of gently pushed it toward closed and I was still able to come in and out, just not quite as often. And I got to do a bunch of other great stuff. I wouldn't, I probably, I, I, I certainly would not have done justified, uh, if I had, uh, if they hadn't killed me off on supernatural, uh, in that s slightly 
permanent way they did. Um, slightly permanently dead. That's, 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 <laughs> that's a lot better than you get on most shows. Were, were, were you disappointed when your character was paralyzed um, and you were, they basically took you out of the action from any of the episodes? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was an interesting turn, but then it, w- dramatically it was good you know the, the, one of the most dramatic and wonderful episodes i ever had was right it was when they killed me off on in season seven uh you know it was good writing it was good story and the same thing with uh uh the year that the character was in the wheelchair um uh it was it was good story but once they set that story and then kind of moved on from it um, you know, I spent that season an awful lot of time answering the phone because it wasn't as practical for Bobby to be with the boys fully on all of their, uh, 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 activities simply because it was logistically hard, uh, not for the show, but for the character. And so it was kind of easier to have Bobby at home manning the phones, which wasn't quite as interesting um as an actor and um uh but then you know it's supernatural they found a way out of that uh um a very supernatural way to get me out of the wheelchair and back on my feet for uh uh the rest of the run and it was interesting to do because it gave me a lot of insights into uh uh what life must be like for people who can't get out of the chair at the end of the day. Um, and, uh, it gave me, uh, uh, increased respect for people who have to deal with that in their real lives. Um, but, uh, in terms of exciting stories to do, uh, I had, I had probably fewer of them that season than in some others, because, uh, it was just harder to, to cart Bobby around. Yeah. When you <clears throat> found yourself deceased <laughs> uh-huh. on Supernatural and you started back and you got the opportunity to work on Justified, what was mm-hmm. it like working with the old buddy Oliphant again? Oh, well, Tim is Tim is one of the most decent people I know. He's one of the funniest people I know. And uh I love it. And he's one of the most uh, one of the smartest and hardest working people I know. And that's a great uh, uh, combination. Uh, he's enormous fun to be around and, and, uh, and he's smart and he's, he's really, really dedicated to the show being good. And, uh, 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 you know, it was just a joy. It was a joy working with him on Deadwood, uh, which is where I first met him. And, uh, um, and it was, um, uh, it was just lovely to get to go back and and do a show once again, a really well written show. Yeah, Justified's uh, great. Uh, just uh, you know, a, a brilliant show, um, and to do it with a guy that I had already worked with and had uh, a, a feeling of kinship and rapport with, um, uh, I just loved him. He's uh, he's he's. Uh, Fabulous. And anytime I get a chance to work with somebody I like as much as him, I'll yeah. do it. I always feel Not like that I get much choice, but yeah, 
I always felt like his time on on Deadwood and his time on Justified, uh, like Deadwood, he was playing a man in his time, and then mm-hmm. on Justified, I felt like he was playing a man. Uh, he was, I don't want to say he's playing his character from Deadwood because he wasn't, but he was no. very much playing playing a man out of time. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. And it was like he's yeah. playing a, a character that would be very comfortable in Deadwood. And then, yeah. but he's in this modern take. And I, I, yeah. I don't know the, the writing on justified was, I don't think people like the people who I know who know justified love it. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? But the, there's, I, I felt like it didn't have the, the wide audience it deserved because it was right. stupendously written, well directed. It, it was you awesome. Know, when you, when you've got a show that's based on material by a writer, as good as Elmore Leonard, you're, you're kind of uh, in a in a bind because, on one hand, where are you going to find writers who can write as well as Elmore Leonard? On the other hand, you better, yeah, uh, um, because it's um, uh, it's big shoes to fill, and uh, I thought they did an extraordinary job writing that show because not only was it rich and full and entertaining it was uh it did honor to elmore leonard's work and uh and he was i think very uh uh took very much the same position yeah that that, that, uh, he was very proud of what they were doing with his characters and and his kind of writing and uh um and to get to to be on it and once again uh I, i don't I don't want to talk too much about what went on with my character on the show, but once again, a fabulous art, um, uh, where, Definitely. uh, where, where, what you see at the beginning is so, uh, does, so does not prepare you for what you will see at the end. Uh, uh, it's, um, you know, it, it was great to get to, to get to be that guy. Um, uh, didn't last as long as I would like, but uh, it lasted exactly as long as it should have. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm very very proud of the fact that I got to do that show. That's awesome. And I think one thing I did like about Supernatural too is that the writing for when when you think about Supernatural and just the very surface of what the show could have been. The fact that the writing was so good definitely elevated that show as well to something that I think was extra was very special. And yeah. two of two of your episodes I thought that were some of my favorites is uh, "Dream a Little Dream of Me," uh, um, which you, when we first introduced what happened to um, Bobby Singer's wife, and mm-hmm. "Dead Men Don't Wear a Plaid," where the wife comes back to life, which I thought were right. wonderfully written episodes. And as an actor, what it really I, th- I felt like gave you something to really like bite into. Um, did you prefer scenes, um, episodes like that where you really got to show an emotional range or did you like the action stuff better? Oh, well, I like it all, but, uh, for me personally, it's, I always enjoy a rich dramatic scene, uh, more than almost anything else. Um, I mean, it's, it's a load of fun to, uh, run around Bobby's wrecking yard shooting demons uh it's it's fun in a kids playing cowboy kind of way um but i really i really do like uh 
uh, dramatic material uh, where you, you, you get to reveal something about the soul of a character. And, uh, um, and those, uh, uh, those two episodes uh, did a pretty good uh, job of providing me that kind of material. Uh, and, and you touched on something that I, I have commented on a lot is that, uh, when people hear about supernatural, what it's, what it's about, uh, you know, two hunky brothers chasing demons, it, it's real easy to mistake that for some kind of surface, uh, surfacey, um, uh, show with very little depth, or uh, meaning and uh, what supernatural surprised me with was uh, uh, its depth it's uh, I, I've, I've been able to play some of the best dramatic scenes of my entire career on that show and I never thought that was likely when I first heard of the show um, and uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid in particular I had uh, uh, some really wonderful, touching, beautiful, uh, scenes, uh, particularly with Carrie Ann Fleming, who was playing, uh, who played my wife, uh, on and off during the course of the series. I, uh, not only was it extraordinary to work with her, but the material was so, uh, full, uh, and evocative and, uh, uh, it was, um, yeah, I've been given some great opportunities uh, to act my heart out, and a lot of those opportunities were on Supernatural, and I, I, I really, I really treasure them. Um, yeah, and, and another um, great character you had on the show to work against was Stephen Williams' character of Rufus, um, yeah. especially in season six when you got to do, um, and then there were none, and then later on you did Safe House. Mm -hmm. How did you guys seem to have the perfect chemistry? And I must admit, as a fan, we were talking about uh, um, in fan groups the idea of you guys being your own show. How did that chemistry come happen so quickly? And what was it like working together? Well, I, you know, I don't know how that chemistry came about so quickly. Uh, I, again, I guess it's it was just on the page to begin with. Um, when I first worked with Stephen. I was I was a little taken aback because um, uh, he has a uh, he he finds a great deal of joy in ad libbing, and I'm uh, um, I'm not so good at it, and I'm not so comfortable with it uh, because you know it's one thing to to uh, unexpectedly insert a great line. But if the guy you're acting with doesn't have a great line to come back with and can't think <laughs> of one, uh, <laughs> it can be a little disconcerting. Um, I'm always pretty tied to the script. And, uh, and I, I thought, oh, man, is this, is, is this going to be difficult? Um, <laughs> but Stephen is such a, uh, uh, an electric kind of personality to be around. Uh, and, uh, um, and we got, as we got to know each other, I think we had a lot of uh, kind of a similar dynamic between us as, as the characters did. Um, uh, and not that we had anything, you know, dark or difficult between us, but uh, we, 
we kind of fell into a bantering kind of relationship ourselves. And, uh, it was, uh, uh, it's always, it's been a hoot working with him. Uh, he's so funny. And, uh, uh, but you know, when he wants to get, uh, wants to get serious, uh, he does it with the best of them. Um, and it's, um, you know, uh, I, ho- I hope Steven's listening and he can, he can hear me say that and hear me say that it's, it's just great working with somebody older than uglier. <laughs> <laughs> now, one other, um, my final question on Supernatural, uh, on season um, 12, you, they brought, they introduced the alternate earth, Bobby Singer. Yeah. Now as an actor playing a character who's kind of the same character, but definitely kind of different from experiences. How do you approach the character so it's both recognizable, but just enough different to make him seem distinguishable from your prior version? Well, the alternate universe, Bobby, was uh, it, it was uh, a, a bit of a challenge because um, most of what worked so well for, shall we say, regular Bobby was the relationship he had with these two brothers. Um, uh, Bobby and Sam and Dean, uh, functioned very often as, as a, as a unit with, with different, uh, viewpoints bouncing off each other, but with a long history and a long, uh, set of feelings about each other. And when, that Bobby disappeared and the one from the alternate universe showed up. Uh, I, I still had the kind of irascible quality that, uh, was the hallmark of Bobby singer, but I didn't have any of the history with the boys. And, uh, and I found that difficult, uh, not difficult to play, but difficult to, uh, uh, contend with in the sense that, uh, one of the big tools in my toolbox was gone. Um, and I think for the fans as well, it was a little difficult because all of a sudden Bobby was back, but he didn't love these two kids. Uh, he didn't know them. Uh, they didn't, uh, they very quickly realized this was not the same guy that they had grown up with that father figure um, aspect had to be gone. And, uh, and I, uh, without wanting at all to diminish anything in the show, I, I felt like something was lost. That father figure aspect was gone. Yeah, it was, it began to come back as the alternate universe. Bobby continued on the show. It began to come back a little, but it was always for me missing. And it, yeah. and it made, uh, it made things like the banter between them a little more difficult because you, from my perspective, at least it seemed a little that they, uh, uh, you know, banter without love, uh, sounds an awful lot like sniping. And, uh, and I didn't ever want Bobby to become, um, unsympathetic, uh, because, because, uh, because people might think that, uh, he was just, uh, you know, being harsh with the boys when, when it's clear through the first 
uh, few seasons that uh, there's a deep and abiding affection between them all. And then you take that affection out of the relationship. Uh, it, it, it creates a very different dynamic that's not, uh, I found it not as fun to play. It was always fun to be on the set. Always fun to be with my my colleagues on the show, um, just as much or more so than any show I've ever worked on. But um, to uh, to not to play Bobby Singer and not play the love he has for Sam and Dean uh, was uh, was less comfortable than the old way. Yeah. Uh, but um, and if the show had gone even longer, I I. Uh, I had pitched the one time I really did pitch a, uh, uh, a shift in things. Uh, I, I, I pitched the idea of, of getting the old Bobby back and, uh, uh, uh in, in a way that, that was believable and acceptable. And, uh, because I, as, as I said to the producers, I, I think we're missing the real relationship that made, uh, the fans love Bobby. Um, and, uh, but, uh, once again, not my show and it's not a show about Bobby. It's a show about Sam and Dean and the people who come into their lives, come into their lives and go out of their lives. But it's in, in the final analysis, it's a show about two brothers and I was happy to play Bobby however they wanted me to. I just would have been happier playing him the old way all the way through. <laughs> well, Jim, I think on that note, that's a great place to 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 stop. I, I don't know if you can believe this, but we've already been on over an hour. Wow. Yeah, it goes quick sometimes. Well, you know? when you when you're talking to me, you're going to get a lot of words. Back <laughs> <at>. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I hope you had a good enough time that we could convince you to come back sometime. Oh, sure. Sure. Oh, awesome. You know, uh, Arlen Brando said an actor is a fellow who, if you ain't talking about him, ain't listening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah uh, I'd, I'd love to d- dive deep into more of your thoughts on classic cinema and, the fact that you've done some research on, on, on that stuff and kind of go oh, into that. Absolutely. Cause I think I'd be, I'd be happy with that. Me, you know what I mean? For, for my own sake. So I, I love, I just got done watching the magnificent seven last week, the original version uh, or not, not a, uh, not the seven samurais, but the, right. The Yule Brenner and, and uh, right. Steve McQueen version. And yeah. it was that's wonderful. No, oh, that's great. It's, it's so good. That, that whole opening scene of them moving the body up to the, the graveyard and everybody, you know, and those scenes of people not want those people not wanting him to go in because he's, yeah, he's an Indian and they're like, nah, 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 and they, you know, they take it. That's a wonderful scene. That whole yeah. thing is just like, yeah. oh, wow. That's especially at a time then too, at that time, that type of subject matter would have been sensitive. And yeah. so it's like, oh, yeah. that's great. Look at these are people pushing that boundary right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Good film. Yeah. And Yul Brenner was so good in that. Oh. Yeah. Well, well yeah, I'm 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 happy to come back and talk old movies. Oh, that'd anytime. be great. That'd be great. Well, Jim, thank you so much for, for joining us today on Spoiler Country. We really appreciate you coming out and, and spending some time with us and talking Deadwood my and pleasure. Supernatural. We really, really appreciate it. It's absolutely my pleasure, guys. All I right. Appreciate you having me on. 
Hey, we're back. What'd you think? I loved it. It was awesome. Very informative. Yeah, he had, he had a lot of good things to say. He, uh, I mean, talked about his acting career, how he got into acting, and kind of like how he was like he was acting forever, and then all of a sudden he just all of a sudden people knew who he was. Yeah, because he was in uh, you know smaller shows, but I mean, had a healthy career. He like, had a super healthy career, like twenty years before Supernatural. Yeah, and then Supernatural. I mean, Supernatural is like the perfect storm, and it's this era. We're in a con era where everything's right. a convention, and so yeah, that's gonna make it big. We've been to Supernatural Con. Yes, we have. It was, we, it was fun. Yeah, well, that's because we come from the con world, but Supernatural brings in conners, you know, con, 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 con goers. Yeah, con goers, but then it also brings in like show fans, sci-fi fans, super yeah. or, uh, fantasy fans. Yeah, because it kind of blends that genre there. Yeah, it really does. So I think there was probably a good um, mix of people who are used to cons, obviously the people who dress up and they know what to expect, and then you have the new like fangirl people. You are a fangirl. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if we ever get Sam Dean on the show, I will definitely be on that one. That's the goal. That, that's our goal. We're going to all take people from Supernatural on there. Yes, and be like, oh, you were on Spoiler Country. I was on Spoiler Country. You should be on Spoiler Country. That's the the name that we're trying to do. Yep, everyone should be on. It all started with Emily Swallow, right? That was our first Spoiler Country guest. Is it Supernatural or Spoiler Country? Uh, you said both, but whatever. It's fine. That's funny. I Works. can redo that. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were on Spoiler Country. You were on Supernatural. <laughs> It all works. <laughs> this is what happens when I wait until the late of the night to do these. And Casey's being so nice to help me out with this because Kendrick's busy moving. So I got Casey stepping in last night. Casey stepping in tonight to help with intros because it's while I can do them solo, it's hard for me to just talk to myself sometimes. I'm not very interesting. I beg to differ. I feel like you talk to yourself a lot. <laughs> Shut up. Well, thank you, Jim, for coming on. And that was a lot of fun. Can't wait. Oh, hello. There's a dog. Welcome, Molly, to Spoiler Country. <laughs> I uh, Next time, Jim, I'll be on the show. So I'll go ahead and do the outro now. What we do, we go through and we talk about the website. So we have many, many more back issues. You like this one. We have so many podcasts up there. So much fun stuff you can check out. So many articles, reviews, and previews. So many other podcasts you can read, listen to. We've got a store. You can buy a t-shirt or hoodie. You can look fly as hell. We've got a Discord, scpod.us slash Discord. Come join it and chat with us. What do you want to say? I have one of those sweatshirts and the shirts, and they are bomb as hell. I got the baseball tee, and it is fly. It is awesome. Our son's still wearing it from yesterday. (laughs) Homeschool in COVID era means you wear the same clothes many times. (laughs) Right, right. And then last thing we do, in Notions of Podcast, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open your mind and read more.